Pro days for CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis came and went, but the first overall pick market stayed pretty quiet. We're just a month out from the NFL draft now. More and more mock drafts, team visits, and news to comb through. Just getting started here at 4 for 4. We'll unpack it all and more on this week's Move the Line. Keep yeah. using. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by Connor Allen. Always in the space in draft season here as well by our friend Scott Smith. And we have a guest this week because we are getting closer and we need to continue to uh, bring on some folks that have their thumb on the market and all the things that are going on. We are joined by Benjamin Robinson of Grinding the Mocks. You can find Benjamin on Twitter at Benj Robinson. That's B-E-N-J underscore Robinson. You can find Grinding the Mocks on Twitter at Grinding Mocks. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We appreciate that. As we were talking before, your site, if folks are not familiar with with Grinding the Mox, um, I'm not quite sure why you're watching this show and you've never familiarized yourself with that website. It is a, a huge resource to basically get a combination of, uh, you know, groupthink, where things are trending. Benjamin's site has some great visualization for all of those things as well and really get an understanding here of uh, – Kind of where the market is moving, even though we're still desperate for some draft betting markets. We continue to come on every week, hoping that we'll have new markets to talk about. Uh, books are releasing win totals. They're drafting. They're, they're putting NBA draft over-unders out there in the space. How place. dare they? It is insane. How dare they? It's just rude. They're taunting us. Uh, at this point, we are, uh, you know, we're getting sprinklings of things here and there, but we do not necessarily have all the things that we were expecting, obviously, at this point, as we're approaching April 1st here. But uh Again, we'll start there. Uh, Connor, get your thoughts. We thought we'd maybe even do a show on Friday because we met last week on Wednesday, knowing that we had those three key pro days. We still are a couple days out from Anthony Richardson's pro day. Market basically did nothing. Uh, we got a little bit of, of a sprinkling of uh, some some sound bites that I thought were pretty interesting. You know, people you know reading body language in terms of how they're hugging C.J. Stroud versus how they're hugging Bryce Young. Um, but this is where we're at. We are just desperate for anything actionable at this point. But what's your takeaway for the last couple of days? Yeah, so well, it's pretty interesting because heading into the pro days, we got a mock from Daniel Jeremiah that had Bryce Young at number one over C.J. Stroud, and then we had a blurb from Todd McShay saying. A buddy I trust, uh, you know, said that it's going to be Bryce Young and not C.J. Stroud. This moved the market a good bit. So this moved C.J. Stroud from minus 300-ish to minus 150 to be the number one overall pick. At that point, this is heading into the pro days, and this is like right after our last episode. I thought that we were probably going to potentially see even more movement. If, you know, Bryce Young's pro day went really well or C.J. Stroud's didn't go all that well, we could see maybe even both ways. But that did not happen at all because C.J. Stroud's pro day happened and you know, Josh McCown looked like he was his best friend. Frank Reich was taking pictures behind him like a little fanboy. I mean, like this was all of those things were going on there. His odds went to minus 300. Bryce Young's pro day was the next day. Absolutely no movement, uh, like very, very little movement at all. And I know Ben does a great job kind of compiling mocks there. I was just speaking from a pure uh, odds perspective, but I mean, I don't know if the mocks have changed at all really in that aspect. But for me, I'm, I'm interested to hear on his take on the last week or so to see if anything has shifted. Yeah, no. Um, I think I think there's a lot of noise. I think right now my numbers have C.J. Stroud the slight favorite. Um, you know, it, I, I I wouldn't take away too much from the the odds right now. I still think we're really far out. I mean, I think the odds got as as bad as like eighty percent implied probability at one point. Um, so 
to me, I, these, I think you're right. Like these, these pro days also, you got to like pay attention. Like the teams are doing stuff because they, they're being watched. Like I thought the most hilarious one was the Seattle Seahawks taking selfies with all the different quarterbacks. Like, look at us. We're meeting with all the quarterbacks. Please take us seriously. Um, so yeah, to me, uh, uh, Stroud and Young are, are pretty neck and neck. Um, they are, they're, they're both not quite at one. They're both like around the one, two turn. So like my, I still think that, you know, they'll be one and two. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily view it as that strong of a likelihood, like that, as the markets are saying right now, I think it's much closer than that. Uh, before I kick it to Scott and get Scott's take on what's happened the last few days, Benjamin, let's start backing for the listeners in case there is anyone out there that's not familiar with the site, how it works, um, how they can utilize it. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of what folks can expect when they head over to grinding the mocks? Sure. So Grinding the Mocks, we're a mock draft predictive uh, analytics company. So we use the wisdom of crowds, mock drafts, and data science to predict the draft. Um, so for folks who are like quantitatively minded or have heard of you know, Nate Silver, I, we kind of do what Nate Silver does for political polls we do for mock drafts, which is actually kind of a more complicated problem, but maybe not as significant to society as elections. Uh, because no, let's, let's hold on. Let's not get too well, far. Well, you know, there's only like a couple parties out there. So, you know, there's True, like the two-party share vote. If, if I could make models that would predict, you know, between two players getting selected at every pick, I feel like I'd do a lot better. But yeah, but it's still... Um, so yeah, so we do... Uh, we collect a, a huge sampling of mock drafts. Like probably by the end of this year, we'll have around 2,000 or so mock drafts. We have different weights that we apply and we run some predictive models and uh, we've had some really great success over the years. We're not always the best at telling you exactly what pick a player will get picked at. Um, but we'll, I think we're always around where we want to be. So we're kind of more like aiming for the green than trying to get a hole in one um, making like a little golf analogy. Um, I'm really proud of uh, what we've done uh, last year. The draft was a lot chalkier than I think people thought. And we had the final top 32 players in our board on our 32, 30 of them were uh, in the top 32 in the NFL draft last year, which was a really chalky year. But um, I was really proud of that. So that's what we do uh, at a big picture. Love that. Yeah, great resource. And again, because we can not only just draft on right now, we are forced to just talk about the first overall pick, but we love to bet on over-unders, uh, you know, guys that are up there in the 100. So using uh, Benjamin's site to kind of track movers, especially towards the, the late half of next month when we start to get into some of that stuff. Ideally, assuming we're going to get some of these over-unders to post, uh, you know, last year we would get some guys that were higher up there, day two guys, some of that stuff. It's a great resource, more so than just the stuff that you can get out there in terms of, you know, most of the, the market or most of the mainstream media stuff that's going to tell you around, you know, the, the top 10 and things focusing on that. Uh, grinding the box is a great job of telling you about the uh, the bottom half of the first and all that stuff. So, uh, Scott, I'll kick it to you. Let me know what you're thinking about in terms of where we're standing. First overall pick, pro days. Uh, any of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm happy to have Benjamin on. Um, look, I, you know, we met a few years ago, cross paths on a, on a podcast and uh, grinding the mocks has been at the cornerstone of my process for, for years now. And, and like he said last year, just getting those 30 to 32 players and, and figuring out who's going to go in the first round. Even if you're not into, you know, putting together your own mock drafts, it's a great tool just to add on and, and use to watch the draft as you're 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 doing it live. So, um, as far as the first first pick goes, I feel like I'm a little bit more locked in than what some of these other people are, and 
actually the the top 15 mock drafts the people that i respect the most in the industry 13 of those 15 all have it stroud one and, and young two um we we talked about daniel jeremiah being one and todd mcshay kind of being the other and, and i'm getting to a comfort level where I, i'm i'm starting to to almost put that in into to permanent marker and I, I just feel comfortable with stroud and the fit to uh carolina as of right now it's it's where i'm going to be leaning um i'll have a mock draft coming out later this week or probably getting published on monday and i can tell you at the top of my board it's going to be stroud and young and um the funny thing is just watching seattle Seattle's just thirsty for somebody to trade up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at it and specifically a lot of people were, were looking at what was going on with Bryce Young in comparison to CJ Stroud. But I think the other thing you have to look at at the Alabama Pro Day, I, I really think Seattle wants Will Anderson. Uh, I think they're doing everything they can to get somebody to trade up in hopes that four quarterbacks will go in the top five and Will Anderson falls into their lap. And I think their backup plan right now looks like it's going to be Tyree Wilson. But that's the two major takeaways for me. I, I'm a little bit more comfortable with with kind of saying Shroud. And, and I think Seattle is desperate for somebody to move up to that number three spot. Best current price on Stroud as we record here uh, Tuesday afternoon is on Caesars minus 270 for Stroud. Uh, we were out to you know mid threes in other places. The one pro day that we're still waiting on, Connor, in terms of the top four quarterbacks is indeed Anthony Richardson, who has obviously been an ascending player. If you go over to grinding the box at the the line on Anthony Richardson in terms of where he was in uh in January, it's a very different line, but we're looking at the March 30th pro day for. For Robinson, um, nine to one on FanDuel looks like a great price. Uh, that number probably moves between now and then, but we, again, we didn't happen with the other pro day. So, it, Connor, I know you want CJ Stroud as well. Yeah, I mean, it looks like at this point, I know there was some buzz about Anthony Richardson for a couple of weeks, kind of moving his moving his odds up to the, actually being the second highest. Uh, in terms of the odds there behind CJ Stroud. And I bought into it a little bit because I kind of do think what the media is saying about you can trade up to one and get a guy like CJ Stroud, who's I think a great player and someone that projects to be great. But you can also, I mean, there's also another kind of line of thinking that, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson is like that potential home run kind of prospect and that you trade up to get a home run. And the reason that that kind of rung, like kind of rung home for me is that, the owner, David Tepper, is like hedge fund guy, like kind of that background of like uh, just someone who has made big decisions before and not necessarily consulted other aspects of his team and just decided to do his own thing. And so for me, that's something that like that type of volatility kind of speaks to the potential of a guy like Anthony Richardson. Now, at this point, uh, like Scott, I think that based on everything I've heard from, I think it's now three different people uh, who are pretty plugged in, it's probably likely to be Stroud. but. Again, I th I think we'll see better odds than this. I think I really do think we'll see better than minus two seventy at one point or another. I can I kind of make one quick point about this quarterback discussion. Every year, so quarterback is always the most overmocked position in my data, and so I'm always a little wary. You know, there's like a guy like every year. You know, like 2019, it was Drew Locke. You know, we had Malik Willis last year. I mean, all the quarterbacks were overmocked last overmocked last year, but Malik Willis especially so. Um, heck, like even Mac Jones was overmocked. So like the question is, I oppose for you guys, 
which one of the quarterbacks do you think is the most over going to be the most over mocked? I mean, my feeling is the people are going to say it's going to be Will Levis, but I think there's a good chance that it could be Anthony Richardson. So, I mean, he, he was the number one riser in my post combine uh, update last week. And I wrote an article on football outsiders detailing as much makes a ton of sense. If you're uh, expected to be super athletic in the combine and you are amazingly athletic at the combine, then you're going to get a bump and you saw some other players get a rise as well. Um, and so, but to me, yeah, that's my question. I, I'm interested in what you guys might think. Do you think it's Will Levis who will be like the most guy who a guy who underperforms in terms of drafts uh, draft slot according to like expectation or the market? What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I'll take this one real quick. I mean, I think that I think it's probably gonna be Levis, and for one reason because like he was was initially labeled as the guy with a ton of upside, fits that typical quarterback mold, but still has a pretty scary floor as we saw last year without any weapons. He wasn't very good but he doesn't have the same upside as Anthony Richardson. So it's like almost like you're you're drafting a prospect that has plenty of upside and like upside to be a good quarterback, but the floor is still pretty low. Whereas Anthony Richardson, obviously the floor is, I mean, borderline non-existent, but the upside is, you know, like, I mean, maybe the best quarterback in the league, you know? So that's what I think that like, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, that's, I think it's going to be Levis, but I think you make a great point that I actually dare. So someone tweeted this out in our, put this in our discord. The way that Daniel Jeremiah described both Anthony Richardson and Malik Willis in year to year is like identical, like almost like every single descriptor that he used word for word was like borderline identical about the way they throw, like all those things. And obviously these are pretty subjective, but still from someone who was in the NFL, who speaks people in the NFL, like whose opinion I think we should take relatively seriously. I thought that that was uh, really interesting to say the least. So I do think one of them might fall. I just not sure which one to your point. But I'm going to push back on that. What is fall to you, Scott? So when Connor says one of them might fall, and we talked about this last week where we compared, you know, the Kuiper draft to the recent Jeremiah draft and Jeremiah, you know, just degaffed it and put Will Levis in 19 to Tampa Bay, which we pushed back on. I still, my, I'm reluctant to, to go, I'm reluctant to go inside the top 10 on Will Levis. And I think that that's where it's an interesting conversation in terms of what Benjamin's asking, because I don't think we have a Malik Willis scenario where, you know, look, they got up to number one and we were talking about number one for a little bit. And there was massive market movement. And obviously we saw him fall down and, and prove why he fell in his limited time. But like, what's the, what's the floor Scott for, for Will Levis? Do you think there's a possibility that he's, outside of i'd say 10 but let me in this instance i'll go 11 to you know the uh the titans at 11 because that makes more sense than than philly at 10 but um can you see him getting past there i i think you have a lot of teams that are thirsty for quarterbacks and tennessee is one of them and another one that's kind of running under radar right now and and i'm tracking all visits, pre-combine, post-combine, top 30 visits. But Minnesota is a team that I think could could quietly surprise some teams and, and look to get some, you know, one of these two quarterbacks, either Richardson or, or Levis. And uh, I, I kind of have them uh, a, a little bit in, in tune and, and looking at, at Levis. I, I think the, the drop in the, the fallout is probably in that – that range of sitting there looking at, at Tennessee or, you know, maybe the, the Houston range, uh, you know, if they were willing to, to move down. Um, and you have to look at like some of these other teams that, that may be willing to, to move down to grab another player, Bijan Robinson, somebody that we've talked about with, uh, you know, maybe teams want to kind of move down and not take them as a top 10 running back and, and move down into the team. So I think you have some of these teams that are in play to move up 
but I, I personally, I, I don't see any of them getting past 15. I've heard the Minnesota thing. We had the Hendon Hooker mock last week. We, you know, when we see on other mock today as we record on say. Tuesday, uh, which is, you know, wild and, you know, oh. interesting. Um, so here's the Minnesota thing. They have five picks in the whole draft and they have a vote. They have a young analytically minded general manager who, again, they have in maybe a long-term need at the position, you know, coming up on a deal with, with Kirk cousins. They just have holes that they need to address and you go from five picks in the entire draft, um, you know, you're trading out of, you know, future drafts. It's just a bad spot to be in. And it just seems like something that, again, uh, uh, I don't want to like pigeonhole analytics and say you can't trade up because you're a young, analytically minded general manager. It just seems like they're not in a great position to do so based off of currently what they have to work with. And really they have a pretty good, you know, winnable division. They have a winnable conference in terms of, of kind of where they're at with the NFC being significantly lighter than than the AFC. So that's my only pushback on the Vikings thing. I think it makes sense. I think I understand why people would piece together Pendant Hooker um, if they were hoping that he would fall. But it, you know, I think there's a little bit at this point, can we call it a drum beat, Connor, on Hendon Hooker? Like it's getting a little bit louder. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I mean he's like 25 years old coming off a torn ACL, playing a crazy offense. I know Ben, like I don't he's not even the top 50 of grinding the mocks right now, is he? Yeah, he's not. I mean, you also, I think, need to look at fundamentals around how the draft has functioned in the past. Like, I was kind of musing on this on my Twitter account the other day about number of tight ends that will get drafted in the top 100. And this, we have historical data. There's, like, tons of historical data on who got picked when in the draft. And there's really, it's pretty rare to get four quarterbacks in the first round of a draft. So five, like, uh, that would be really surprising to me. I, that's why, that's actually the, the, the over-under that I'm kind of most excited to see what it looks like is like, what is Hendon Hooker over under going to be? If that is out there, I'm like, I'm just really excited. I'm really interested to see what it says. Cause I think, I think they're, that's the best one. If they, if they believe this Mike Tannenbaum troll juice that just dropped on uh, ESPN.com today, then uh, that's one where I would be like, Oh my, that is some interesting stuff. So yeah, but yeah, the last time me, we yeah had... Hendon Hooker. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. Like you said, a lot of like weirdness, very outliery type of stuff in his profile that would make, I think the team's kind of a little bit concerned. Like you don't want to be drafting Brandon Whedon. I'd rather draft Johnny Manziel than Brandon Whedon. And, you know, that's what I was going to say. It's Brandon Whedon coming off of an ACL tear who played in like, uh, you know, a, 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 just a very unique uh, system offensively. And, uh, you know, good for him. He played well. He's going to get drafted even coming off of the ACL. But uh, yeah, the, the over under there and uh, maybe four and a half quarterbacks in round one becomes an interesting price there too, Connor, something that we, necessarily didn't think about wasn't on the wish list again the wish list is long because the books are apparently uh unwilling to engage in this process with us but uh you know apparently it will be posted at some point so yeah i mean we got a word from DraftKings that they were going to post over-unders and then they troll dropped some nba over-unders for the draft <laughs> instead of nfl and over-unders i mean how ridiculous is that um but in terms of the hendon hooker stuff and the five quarterbacks i think the last time we saw five quarterbacks in the first round was was it the lamar jackson year i believe where he came in as like the last pick of the first round um, and they traded up to get him. I mean, it's just like, again, every year, it seems like we have rumors about that one guy being pushed into the back half of the first round. They're like, oh, well, they can trade up and get the fifth year option on him. You know, that just like, doesn't really happen to be honest. Like it almost, it almost never happens. Uh, really? So I agree with Ben there. If we get a four and a half, I'm interested to see what the juice is on the under. Um, and if, if any of the quarterbacks fall, if Levis falls, if Richardson falls, if somehow they do fall, I mean, 
yeah, that's like you're in a great spot to not get five quarterbacks. Even if they do go all top 10, I don't think Hooker goes in the first round. Lamar Jackson, great transition here because the only markets that really have populated since the last time we met is we now have a third pick overall market. We have a fourth pick overall market. And we have a weird spot where currently, as it stands, we have the Cardinals set at three. Seems like a very clear trade out spot uh, where they can maybe move back and still address whether it's edge rusher or cornerback. They have a ton of needs. They'll be playing probably at least half the season without their quarterback. Uh, Kyler Murray, who is coming off of, uh, you know, another injury here. And then the Colts, who are, you know, we're on the outside looking in in terms of moving up from four to one to solidify the quarterback position. They've been playing musical chairs, the position for a number of years now. They seem like a great landing spot, not only for one of the quarterbacks in this draft, but for Lamar Jackson. Um, talk to me about this, Scott. And anything around the Lamar news, how it impacts three or four. Uh, really, it's all we've had that's come out since the last time we met. Yeah, so I mean, you've got Lamar, who's who's not happy. I think he did himself a disservice by we we talked about it by not really having an agent. There's been some other news that a, a personal friend of his has been contacting some of these teams about some things. Um, look, he turned down three years, 133 million. Um, that was supposed to be fully guaranteed. I, I think he, he could have took that payday and then turned around three years from now and gotten a, another huge one. So I think he, he's kind of misplayed his hand. Now he's, uh, you know, requesting a trade. The Colts are the most interesting team there at the top. And, and that's really one of the things that could throw this draft upside down as far as talking about quarterbacks and landing spots. Um, you kind of have to figure out what, what would the Colts have to, to give up to, to go ahead and, and get Lamar and, I mean, it's going to be a huge deal. I, I think Ballard's a little bit on the hot seat with uh, the way he's kind of played the quarterback position over the last couple of years. Um, I, you know, outside of that, you've, you've heard a lot of these teams say that they're not in in business to, to get Lamar. And, and so when you start looking at things and some of these quarterbacks, if Baltimore were to go ahead and, and, and trade Lamar to the Colts, they have Huntley there who – from a stylistic standpoint, could make sense as a bridge quarterback for Richardson. So if you're digging deep and trying to connect dots, maybe that's something you could kind of look at. But, you know, it's just a situation where it's it's just smoke right now. And it's going to – I think this thing's going to be a little bit rough playing out and it's going to take a little while. It's not something I see as being easy to, to get done. You have so many teams that aren't interested in, in even putting an offer out there to – to, to see what, what the price would be. So it, it's, I think this is one of those situations that's going to be messy and you're not going to have a whole lot of clarity soon. Benjamin, yeah, that's a yeah. Pro Bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley, that was referenced there. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm with Scott on that. I think I'm a big believer in Occam's razor. You know, like the simplest answer is kind of usually the answer here. And you're right, there's so many things that would have to kind of go a certain way um, to make that happen. Um and I, I'm still not clear that the league views Anthony Richardson. I, yeah, it's like a little, it's a little funky. I think we got to look at the like the how the like the grades for some of these players look, and the grade for Anthony Richardson is just not super great. I don't know, uh, but I, I think I think Lamar, if he does move, and I still think it's doubtful that he even gets moved. I think Debo Samuel requested a trade last year, and it never happened. Um, so. The Ravens have a ton of leverage with him. I think he'll eventually kind of come back to the table. It could happen after the draft. And so to me, I, I'm not sure I would make any kind of decisions about money-wise about your portfolio 
based on some rumor that Lamar might get traded because you don't even know where he's going to get traded. So it might be, it could be a team that you don't even think about, but I don't think it's the Colts. I think that they're kind of comfortable staying where they are. I don't think they, they are going to move up in this draft. Um, I think that they'll be happy to stay where they are and get one of the four quarterbacks, even if it's Levis. Yeah, Connor, it's new market. Uh, you comb, you comb through it. Anything that jumps out at you again, you know, maybe not knowing who's making those picks because there's a lot of rumors that, you know, Arizona is a, a great opportunity to move up. If you had a guy in mind, uh, if you liked Levis or Richardson more than, you know, anyone else, you want to get up and solidify that before the Colts make this, that spot. Uh, what are your thoughts on that market? Yeah. So, I mean, the rumors are, there are some people in uh, Arizona saying that the Cardinals are receiving a ton of calls um, for the pick and that they're probably going to trade down. Uh, to me, that makes sense. I mean, it's something that for, for a few reasons here, because, uh, you know, I had heard that the Cardinals are in play and really interested in getting a corner. Uh, they also lost Byron Murphy this offseason. Um, you know, I mean, again, through the grapevine, reportedly weren't all that interested in Tyree Wilson. I don't know where they stand on Will Anderson or anyone else there, but three, if they don't necessarily love Tyree and I mean, if they're just kind of lukewarm on Will Anderson or really want a corner, trading down to seven to nine range and getting one of Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez would make a ton of sense for them. Now, who trades up above, you know, Indianapolis? That it, things get a little bit dicier. But if we look at this number three overall draft pick market, you'll get Will Anderson minus 130 favorite, Anthony Richardson plus 200, Will Levis plus 500. If you think speculatively someone moves up, I mean, is it for Richardson? Is it for Levis? Um, I mean, if you're confident in a trade up there, there's probably good value on one of those guys. The issue is kind of like we saw with the Panthers, like Bryce Young was the minus 200 favorite, you know, even though we knew that the bears were not picking quarterback and then the Panthers traded up and then CJ Stroud reopened to minus 110, And then now it's blasted up to minus 400. So like for me at the number three pick, there's not really a ton of action there, but if you do think that there's like a, some kind of swap there with Indy and Arizona, which again, I think to Ben's point is, I don't know if that really happens, but um, you're looking at guys like, I mean, Jalen Carter's 20 to one, Christian Gonzalez is 20 to one, uh, Tyree Wilson's 20 to one, Will Anderson's five to one. So if you think that swap happens, I mean, you're in a good position for one of those guys to probably hit with the Cardinals. So, but again, that's, that's largely speculative. And that's at this point, just something that if you see a trade happening or hear rumblings of it, maybe it's worth sprinkling a little bit on some of those guys. Yeah, it feels like a parlay now, Scott, at this point, because you're you're it almost is. having to, you know, bet on a couple things happening at once to be able to really get any value that makes a ton of sense. Like if they were to sit home and pick three, I think the Will Anderson number is probably good value and makes a ton of sense. Fills a hole. They have many. Um, I get uh, the need at corner, even with Byron Murphy on the roster, they had a need at cornerback. It's a pretty terrible secondary. So them moving back and, and staying within the top 10 to solidify one of those two that we've been back and forth on in terms of Witherspoon and Gonzalez makes a ton of sense as well. But you know, anything that caught your eye or, you know, any thoughts or leans that you have in terms of what happens at three or four. Well, the interesting part of that with those players that we just talked about, um, the, the player that they've had the most contact with has actually been Devin Witherspoon as far as the Cardinals. So you start talking about targets for them to move down and that's a player that they're connected with. Um, Monty Austin Ford is basically the the new GM over there. So we don't have a whole lot of uh, background on, on how he is because I, I, I track year to year. And, and you can very much look at certain teams that when, when they draft a player, it's going to be a player that they either had a combine visit with or a top 30 visit with. Um, and you start looking at those official visits. We don't really have that information here on the Cardinals since they kind of have new management. But of those players that we're looking at, um, Devin Witherspoon is the player that they've they've had the most contact with. 
Good to know. Something to watch for sure. So yeah, I, I, it's early, Connor. But go ahead. Yeah, no. So uh, well, I'm gonna drop a fresh one on you guys right here since we got another market number five draft pick just dropped on DraftKings. Um, and I'll toss this one to Benjamin here first because it features Jalen Carter is the favorite at plus 250, Will Anderson at plus 350, uh, Tyree Wilson plus 350 as well. Christian Gonzalez was 550. Anthony Richardson down at 1400 or 14 to one. Any of those guys stand out for the Seahawks pick at number five? I know this again. This is. We're just rolling with it, but I was scrolling through DraftKings here live on show and just saw that because I think it's a pretty interesting market. Yeah, I don't know if anything really stands out to me there. I think Jalen Carter doesn't stand out to me. Um, yeah, I mean, even, yeah, he's dropping everywhere in my numbers. I don't really know what to think. Um, even I thought you know like Tannenbaum was like too low on him, <laughs> but um, other people might be too high. So I think there's a lot of resolution there. I mean. I wouldn't take much away from his pro day. Like I wouldn't, I don't think any of us would perform well if we were in a situation that he was in stress wise, even if we had our professional career in, you know, at stake. Um, but yeah, to me, like, I, I, I don't know, Jalen Carter, there's a lot of, I wouldn't touch much with Jalen Carter in top five. That feels, but Will Anderson, like all those, I didn't hear a name there that sounded like it would be out of place. Yeah, it's all about right. I I think actually probably at this point to your point, the betting Jalen Carter chalk on any like anything is probably the worst bet you can make right now, given like the volatility of his his outcomes right now. So yeah, I think Levis was missing from there. That's the one that I thought would yeah, that's the one that I thought maybe would have some sort of market there too. If you think that Indianapolis is interested in Levis or Richardson and maybe might be steering towards one of them that it would make sense that, you know, Levis would kind of be there along with Richardson somewhere in the same range. But yeah, to me, yeah, I think you're right. Like there's just too much uncertainty around Carter. If I, if I see someone like a Lance Zerline or someone who's like very well connected, who I really like in terms of my mock draft um, accuracy ratings, if I see someone like that begin to to touch a Carter back closer to the top five, like it wouldn't surprise me if he creeped back up because of how uh, talented he is. But I haven't seen that yet, so I don't have any reason to believe that it would happen. I want to see some amount of signal from somebody that would drive the crowd. Where would you set today, Benjamin, in terms of over-under on Jalen Carter based off of information that we have and, you know, kind of where we're trending? I know it's a, a tough number to set, um, but, you know, you're kind of out on top yeah. five. I think maybe still top ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. I think people are, like, so – you know, lasered in on who's picking on the top 10 when we know that can change, especially if people think Jalen Carter is like the top player in the draft or one of the top players in the draft, just based on talent. Um, you know, I think the, the, the key thing was he pled, he pled um, out the case. So he's not going to be, you know, it's bad, but he pled out on it and it was only going to be a misdemeanor and not a felony. And I, I don't trust the NFL, you know, they'll take you uh, if you have the talent even if you have character issues, um, there are players like you know you know Jeffrey Simmons who fell, um, who had like some stuff off the field, was maybe wasn't as talented as Jalen Carter, but um, I, I think that like top ten, I could see him going in the top ten, maybe not in the top five anymore, even just based on the dynamics of the draft. But yeah, to me, top five I think would be not great, but top ten he might end up there with some regression by the end of the process. Well, that's a good point. I, I agree with that. I. We'll kind of have to see what happens in terms of team visits and, and things of that nature. Uh, Scott has his thumb on the pulse of team visits and all that's going on there. Again, we're early in that process, Scott, but uh, do you want to share anything that you have in terms of what you're seeing, where we're headed, or uh, what to expect over the next couple of weeks when that kind of ramps up? 
Yeah, as far as Jalen Carter goes, right now he's really only been connected to three teams as far as the visits, um, and that's Atlanta, Chicago, and Philadelphia. So that all falls in line right there within that top 10 that we're talking about. Um, I think you really have to kind of find that threshold where it balances out where you know the risk equals the reward for what the talent is and what he's shown there at, at Georgia. And you know, we, we talked about we talked about Philadelphia. That's that's one of the teams I think you really have to look at for uh, Jalen Carter, and, and we talked about it with uh, Davis last year. So uh, you have you have some precedents there for for that team and the way they like to build from the inside out. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's going to be the range kind of where he goes. You, you have the option for another team to kind of move up into that position, like Benjamin said. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm looking at it as far as Jalen Carter. And then, you know, when we start talking about some of these other players, specifically with visits, the two players that have had the most visits, we just talked about Anthony Richardson. I think a lot of these teams want to get a pulse on where he's at as far as whiteboard work and some of the other things like that to, to get a feel as if he's going to be that type of player that they could depend on to lead their franchise going forward. But the other player that I'm kind of interested to get Benjamin's reaction on because he's had some movement here, um, you know, pre-combine, post-combine. Kelly Ringo has had the most visits with with teams. He's he's got 16 visits that I can confirm with with 16 or more than more than 16 visits, but 16 teams that he's already visited with. Um, and he's a player that you look at when he went in the uh, when he played a, a against Ohio State. He he kind of had some trouble there that dropped him down. But we talked about it going into the combine. He's a player that was going to go ahead and and tear it up at the combine as far as what he was able to do. And he's kind of been all over the board. Moving down, I've seen him out of some first-round mocks, kind of on that fringe right outside of the first round. So I'm interested to kind of see what Benjamin thinks about him. Yeah, I mean, Ringo started off the process as one of the, like, maybe top three cornerbacks in the draft, but he's fallen off quite a bit. I think, you know, we mentioned Devin Witherspoon has kind of been a big riser. Christian Gonzalez has been another big riser. Heck, Deontay Banks from Maryland has also been a big riser. This is a really strong cornerback class. Um he has the kind of look of a player right now who I have him, you know, top 50. So he's in the top 50, I think, at least in my expert like mock class. Um, so yeah, I mean, every year there are guys that are second round slotted who end up in the first round, like, you know, Eric Stokes from Georgia, for example. Um, so yeah, I could see Kelly Ringo. I'd be surprised because he just fallen down. He's fallen out of favor even before the Ohio state game. I think it might be a little unfair, but um but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the first round, but he's solidly in my second round right now. I think the top five of the position I have would be Witherspoon, Gonzalez, you know, Banks, uh, Joey Porter. So you've got like a lot of really talented backs, cornerbacks in this class. So um, it would it would make sense given how, how strong the position is that you might want to get one of the top ones given that, you know, there's so many good ones that can be first round guys. But yeah, I'm surprised that he has that many visits. Maybe teams are kind of similarly interested in him, but uh, that's surprising to me. Yeah, is there anyone else that jumps out, Scott? That's uh, you know, that's been this is kind of under the radar in terms of what we're hearing in the space right now. I mean, that's a that's a, a crap ton of visits. Uh, you know, it's probably one every day, every other day for the last month or so, which is a lot. Again, you know, Georgia's you know kind of been they were early in terms of of. Uh, you know, their, their pro day. So maybe that helps too. So, you know, guys just getting done with their pro day, we'll start to turn it up, but is there anything else that's notable we're sharing? 
Yeah, just to go over a few other players, um, John Michael Schmitz, the the center from Minnesota, I, I think he could kind of be a fringe player. The center doesn't really get drafted in the first round a whole lot. He's had a ton of visits. Dewan Jones, uh, the tackle, he's he's been on quite a few visits, and then uh, Osiris Torrance as well. So you're you're kind of looking at those offensive line guys that are that are there. And then just to hit on some some of the names, uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but Adatamot. Adetomiwa Adeboware, the the defensive lineman. Look, uh, like I said, I was going to butcher that, but that was the name that we kind of hit. We hit on with uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper kind of have him moving up. Um, initially, with a lot of consensus big boards that that start off before the the combine, he was he was ranked like 113th on a lot of these like evaluation boards, and he's a guy that's that's kind of moved up. You, you've seen him kind of start to creep up on a lot of these mock drafts and, and killed the combine. I think he ran like a 4.49 at like 280 something pounds. So he's another guy that uh, he, he's visited Buffalo, Denver, Detroit, Green Bay, the Chargers, Philadelphia, and Tampa Bay. So I, I think we we kind of hit on Detroit a little bit with that second pick there at 20. He's a name I think you can go ahead and, and start to to try to pencil in and, and, and look and see if that's a fit and, and kind of that 20 range on down, I think is is where he'll start to kind of fall into some of these mock drafts and rise as the weeks come. Good for you. I did not have the, I did not have the stones to take on the name last week. So good job. Uh, but Benjamin, you highlighted him in your uh, football outsiders piece. I did. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. One of the top performers coming out of the combine. Um, I think he really caught people's eye at the senior bowl. Um, he had a really great senior bowl practice uh, and game. And then at the combine just took it to another level. I, yeah, I mean, we know that in the you know current age of the NFL, that teams are willing to bet on athleticism from the edge rusher position. The issue that I think that might be, that might be the one thing that I might push him out of the first round is his size. He's kind of a tweener. Um, he's like, I think even, you know, Jim Nagy said you should rush him inside sometimes quite a bit. And so I don't know, like he's not maybe the most traditional, like defensive end edge rusher type, um, but he definitely has some. Yeah, he's the, like I said, he's one of the top risers um, coming out of the combine for me, Anthony Richardson, Nolan Smith and, and him. And so to me, yeah, he's someone to pay attention to. You're seeing him come up later on in some of these mock drafts. Uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I, edge rusher is another really deep position. Um, you know, you have. Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith from Georgia, who also had a great combine, who has a really awesome uh, background playing in that Georgia defense. Um, but yeah, the edge rusher position, like the cornerback position, is really stacked. And so when you think about just like numbers game for like the first round players, you have to think like, okay, well, what position is getting dropped out? So, you know, John Michael Schmitz, it's not just that centers don't often get drafted in the first round, it's that, you know, Hey, like there's all these edge rushers, there's all these tackles, there's all these cornerbacks. We got to fit in some quarterbacks. We got to fit in maybe one running back, maybe two running backs. I don't know, you know, wide receiver. And so it ends up being like a numbers game. Are we going to have a linebacker at all or safety at all? And so like these kind of very fundamental building blocks of, yeah, the draft in the first round is 32 picks. That's it. We got to think about like where the positions might get allocated. When we think about what the narrative of that draft is, that could inform the likelihood of some of the decisions we want to make. That's a great point. And I think the depth of the position is key to understand as well, because you might say, hey, this team has a clear need of this position, but they also have a need at uh, maybe another, maybe a secondary, but maybe that's a higher value position and they can address it a little bit later. And that comes to mind. I was thinking of the tight end, which we've talked about extensively here so far is, yeah, the tight end is pretty deep this year as well. 
maybe not in like the top half of the first round deep, but in terms of some of the teams at the bottom half, like there's going to probably be a really good tight end available to them when their second pick comes up. I value the tight end positions much that they're willing to cornerback, rusher, um, some of those positions. So uh, what else has kind of jumped out to you here, Benjamin, in terms of market movers? I know you highlighted some on your Football Outsiders article, but you know where are we trending in terms of some of the other names? Yeah, I mean, when I look at like the – let me pull up my numbers here. In terms of like the last – we'll say the last two weeks accounting for draft position. Let me – sorry about that. But the guys that I see, yeah, so CJ Stroud is obviously like a big mover just because, you know, he – once this trade happened and like the, right away the news leaked that he was going to be potentially considered for number one when potentially he was considered more maybe for, I don't know, maybe somewhere else in the top five, like Indianapolis. Um, so he's one that I'm seeing quite a bit. Um, another guy that's like kind of caught my eye. Um, so I think if there is one center, and I, I made this kind of bet in my uh, my first mock draft for Football Outsiders, the, the center that I think people will kind of coalesce around is not as much John Michael Schmitz, but it's it's Joe Tipman from Wisconsin. Um, so if, if there was going to be like a f- the first like center taken, I would I would have to guess it might be him. He's a guy I think that has a lot of interest from teams. Um, another guy in terms of the the linebacker position, um, I'm not sure <clears throat> if there'll be one in the first round. If it if it is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Drew Sanders from Arkansas. But a guy who also had a really good combine is Jack Campbell from Iowa. Um, I still think that there's a better chance that there's zero linebackers in the first round than one. But you know, we'll have to see if that kind of clears up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, the the edge rusher from Georgia, Nolan Smith, is someone that I think I'm really intrigued by. He's a speed rusher. I think that people will kind of compare him a lot to Hassan Reddick. I think he's one of the biggest risers in my mock uh, numbers because he didn't play a lot at the end of the season. He got hurt. Um, but there was a small chance that I think he would have come out in last year's draft and been a top 100 player. So I think he has a lot of upside. And, and like I said, the, the edge rusher position is really stacked. And that's why you, you can only you see like a good number of edge rushers, like the ones I mentioned before, go in the first round. Um, Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee, is another guy that I see coming up a bit in the, the tackle rankings that I have. Tackle is kind of like a funky position. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm, I'm really certain that there's a top guy. Maybe Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern probably be like the favorite if I had to pick one right now but I think there's really any of the any of those guys Skaronsky or Paris Johnson from Ohio State um the the kid from Georgia Broderick uh Thomas or whatever Broderick yeah whatever um Broderick Smith Jones yeah I knew it was some yeah sorry um yeah yeah and then also you know Darnell Wright I think all of them have the opportunity to be potentially like the first tackle depending on like what the flavor of the team whatever they want but I would I would bet more on Skaronsky. But yeah, Darnell Wright is a guy who's also rising too, like worth paying attention to. I think people see him as a like a kind of plug and play right tackle right away, with maybe upside to do more. So and that's something that's just really valuable given that often the best edge rushers are rushing against the right tackle, not the left tackle. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, linebacker is interesting because it's actually still it was one of the deepest free agent positions uh, in terms of what was available in the market, and there are still numerous ones out there. So like having a team decide that they value the position 
not address it through free agency and then use first round draft capital on it seems like a peculiar way to go about roster construction. But again, it's the NFL, some of these teams shock us all the time. So I'm going to not going to rule anyone out. Um, again, you think sometimes you're at the bottom half of the draft for a reason you've done some things, right. Um, I think you'd probably get yourself out of there pretty quickly by selecting a first round linebacker. But uh, Connor, what do you got here? Yeah, well, it didn't stop the bears from paying, you know, the most of the market for two linebackers who are certainly good, but uh, uh, you know, definitely overspent what they really needed to. But at the end of the day, I'm not really sure it even matters because they'll probably be off the books by the time the bears are even good anyway. So <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of what I go back to, I guess it's like, well, they could have spent the money almost certainly better at almost any other position, but like if no one else wants to come to Chicago, I mean, I guess they got to do something with it. Yeah, you overpay for Jamal Dean or you overpay for, you know, literally anything along the offensive line or just something in like a position of value, but hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the argument that I'll make, and it's not an original argument, it's, you know, my friend Kevin Cole made this argument recently a bunch on his podcast. You can, you can argue that overspending a little bit in the free agency where you at least have some flexibility on contract. You know, some of these guys will sign big contracts, but they may not, may not play all of it. Um, it will at least kind of what you were saying, you know, it, it might preclude you from making a kind of bigger mistake in terms of drafting a, a position that's not as valuable in the draft. So, you know, if the bears hadn't picked up Tremaine Edmonds, it's okay to, they have a lot of cap. So like, why not overpay for a position like that? Because you'd rather get, some real surplus value in the draft from a position like offensive tackle or edge rusher or wide receiver or, you know, or quarterback, but not, not as much for the bears, but that's the kind of argument. Hey, you know, get some of these like non-premium positions in free agency where you have flexibility, maybe the floor is higher anyway, and you can use the draft to fill in those more premium positions. Yeah. You got to get the premium guys in the draft because they just, they come available via free agency so rarely in terms of the ones that actually make a difference. So, um, you know, that's kind of my pushback in terms of where linebacker falls into the first round. And that's you know, what we've talked about here in terms of like B. John Robinson and, and the conundrum of where he lands and the thought process of compounding the mistake essentially by trading up to get him. So like, not only are you, you know, making the selection where again he seems like a generational talent, uh, you cannot watch, a well manicured uh, highlight clip of him and not think that he is a tremendous talent catcher that you know, ball catcher down the field, all the things that true three down threats, but then to go ahead and, you know, leverage future capital to go ahead and make that happen is a, a tough pill to swallow for a, uh, a team moving forward, but you know, someone will probably do it. Cause uh, you know, you get teams that just say, Hey, he's inside my top 10, top five overall on the board. And here he is, uh, he's fallen to the low teens and we need to go up and, and grab him. So it'll be interesting to see Scott, anything in closing that you want to share uh, before we wrap it up? Yeah. I just wanted to get Benjamin's thoughts real quick on one player and, and kind of what he's seeing. And that's, that's Kalaja Kanti, the defensive tackle out of, out of pit. He's kind of a player that I've been looking for and he's been all over the place as far as mocks, as far as where people have him graded. Initially, I think uh, looking at a lot of the evaluators, they had him outside of the top 50, like, you know, going into things. And he's a, he's a player that's pre pretty regularly like mocked within a, the top 32 picks. Um, but it, it could be anywhere from 15 to, to 32. And he's also a player that I haven't been able to find any information on as far as like visits. So I, I was kind of just wondering what your data is seeing as far as him and, and, and the movement and kind of the range that you would see him being picked because he is a smaller defensive tackle that is going to have to fit a very specific niche within the concepts of what some of these teams are doing defensively. 
Yeah. So I'm a University of Pittsburgh uh, alum. So to me, I've known about Kalaja for a while. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we got to be careful about what he did at the combine because you also have to look at the drills he did. He basically like did the 40 and like and weighed in pretty much it. So um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, it's tantalizing to look at what he did in the 40 and be like, holy, only moly. Like, let's look at that. Um, like Mel Kuyper, I think, was the one who kind of started the Kalajikansi interest by mocking him at number 10 uh, to the Eagles. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little intrigued. I mean, I'd love to see Kalaj in the first round. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty. I think, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see where he visits. To me, yeah, I think it kind of starts with teams that are, like, really interested in defensive tackles outside of the top 10. You know, I could see a team, like you said, like the maybe the Lions somewhere in there is a spot, you know, f- if he lasts to the bottom, I've seen a lot of Philadelphia with him. If they, if they maybe decide that, you know, Carter goes before them or, you know, they, they, they've shown that they like those interior, they value interior defensive linemen. You know, they lost Javon Hargraves. They brought back Fletcher Cox on one year. Um, they had McDomican Sue last year. Um, so that could be a spot for him too. It seems like he could be a, a borderline first round pick. If I had to guess, um, the defensive tackle class is just not awesome. I have a player who I think is kind of overmocked in my numbers is Brian Brisset. Uh the I think that's how you pronounce it, the defensive tackle from Clemson. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, that maybe Jalen Carter could be the only defensive tackle drafted in in the first round. Another guy who, if you see him in a first round mock, you should discount this mock is Siaki Ika, the defensive tackle from Baylor. Two down run stuffer. Those guys do not go in the first round. And if they do, then those teams tend to usually regret that draft selection. Um, So for me, yeah, like can't see, I would love to see him in the first round. I think, I think people might be, if you bet him in the first round, you might be like biting your nails a little bit come draft night. We'll see. Interesting. Yeah. I like the fit to Detroit. We talked about it last week. I think there's the, you know, you could call it probably a lazy narrative with the Brad Holmes, uh, L.A. Aaron Donald connection, which is not fair to Kalaja Kansi to have him, you know, situated with a former, you know, pit defender. Who There's a better argument. Position. Yeah. There's a better argument. The better argument is that they've drafted a ton of linemen, including interior linemen. You know, they drafted Levi Onwuzurike from Washington and Aline McNeil from North Carolina State in the same draft. You know, they drafted Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal last year. Um, I think they and don't Houston mind. too, right? Uh, yeah, yep. and Houston too. Later on, they don't mind taking swings at guys, and it's not clear that Anzarike and McNeil are are really going to be like McNeil had some some flashes last year. I'm not sure. I haven't heard as much about Anzarike, and you know, it doesn't hurt to have depth, and you can't let the decisions you made in the past color necessarily what you need to do now. And the Lions and Brad Holmes are a pretty sharp group. Yeah, the the Aaron Donald to Kalaja Kansi, you know, like it's. I'm not saying it's a bad narrative, but. Like, let's be real. Come on. Like it's tough on the kid. I man. love Elijah Cansey. He like has the same size. He went to the same school and he plays the same position, but like, yeah, like, come on, like, let's be real. It's not the same. I, I, I know that we have to do it this time of year. Connor knows this states back to uh, a former internet personality that is no longer uh, with us um, essentially. But uh, I hate comps. I think they're so lazy. I know that we have to do it because like, people want to understand of who these people are and what they look like. And like, it just, 
when you really start copying some of these people to like some of the best players in the game. And in this instance, one of the best players historically, it's just, it sets the person, the kid up for just a really tough stretch to, to get in there and have the fan base expecting him to look like, you know, just an insane uh, all time player. So um, the chiefs are also interesting to me in terms of what they do at like that position. Like they have a Chris Jones issue that they have to address in terms of extending him or deciding what they need to do, you know, with some of that money that's coming up in uh, some other guys on the roster to make a decision on what they do with him and you know maybe interior defensive line could be a spot for for a can another answer to our first round hopefully uh round one I, yes uh, no for Kansi. i had i had saints in my first mock draft they're so weak at interior line i think it does happen sometimes like you saw this with um deforest buckner going to the colts and the 49ers using that pick that they got from the the, the colts to to draft um javon kinlaw from south carolina I think when you do that to fill a need, it's oftentimes can be a little bit of a disappointment, even though Kinlaw was thought of as a top 10 player. So, but yeah, I, I like Eagles. I like Saints. Um, I, Chiefs, I could I could get behind if I didn't think that they were probably going to go edge rusher there. Um, but yeah, those are all plausible. And like I said, as a pit alum, I would be happy to buy that narrative at the right price. Uh, I just want to add one final question for Scott would be you track all the visits and I just want you to go through real quick. Like, so Keely Ringo has 16 visits planned already. Like to, to, to you, does that mean that they're interested, but concerned or just interested or, you know, like what kind of correlation do you see between a player getting a lot of visits and where they're drafted or first round? And I know that's a really, really tough question to answer because I'm sure each player is different, but uh, I mean, from my understanding, obviously Ringo is kind of on that fringe and he's an exciting player, but like I would lean more towards it being exciting than like a test and prod of his character. But I, that's just my my thoughts there. I don't know, Scott, if you have any insight into that or what you've noticed with the, the visits and tracking that way. Well, specifically when you're looking at the visits, team do visits. They they value visits in, in different ways. Like Kansas City and Seattle are two teams that keep things close to the vest that don't really, you look at their top 30 visits, their combine visits and whatnot, and they're usually not drafting off of that list. Um, specifically talking about Ringo, I, I think you look at the measurables and then you look at some of the things on tape and, and you have some inconsistencies there. And so a lot of teams will bring players like him in and, and watch film, especially at a top 30 visit. They, they get to sit there and, and break down film and ask a player, you know, what was it that you were seeing? What, what was the read that you were making here? And the reason why, you know, either you bid on this play fake or, you know, why would you break on this and, and make the interception? So I, I think teams and coaches specifically want to get a little bit of a, a more comfortable with how somebody might operate within, you know, their team. Um, when you do have players that have a little bit of a character concerns, I, I think, you know, teams also want to get a little bit more comfortable with who a guy may be. And look, the other issue that you have with some of these, these visits and stuff, a team will, will visit with a, a teammate of another player just to try to get information on the guy they want to draft. So they could be visiting with Kelly Ringo and really be asking about Nolan Smith. You know, there's things like that that'll happen all the time. Um, one of the things that I really track, though, is I, I track and look at the teams of, of, you know, who had what teams had top 30 or, or combine visits and, and ended up drafting that that player. Um, and, you know, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh are two of the teams that you can always connect to to their visits and, and the players that they're drafting. So I kind of use it to, to limit down a pool for certain teams and, and see exactly who it is that they're going to draft. And like I said, you can you can gain a lot out of that and, and use it to, to go forward and kind of project some of the mocks and some of the players that are going to be within that five to six kind of pick range within that that first round and even the second round. Um, and just just as a note, last year, 16 of the top 32 
like picks were, were went to teams that actually had a visit with it. And then it's funny because Green Bay is a team that you know they they had I think three three of the three of the picks that they made all they all had top thirty visits. So you can kind of look at that and start to mark some things down. Benjamin, you're the man. Thank you so much. Uh, again, uh, folks need to go over to grindingthemocks.com, at grindingmocks on Twitter, uh, at Benj underscore Robinson on Twitter. I'll check out all the great stuff that he has going on over there. Benjamin, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to something else down the line. For sure. I want to remind folks, if you want to get all the picks that we have, we will eventually have picks. Uh, you can head over to 444.com slash plans, get access to the betting subscription at 444. We are partnering with Vivid, uh, Vivid Picks. It is a pick a map. You download that from the App Store. Use promo code 444BETS, deposit at least $15. Uh, and with that promo code, you can get access to a three-month betting subscription that gives you access through the draft, through the NBA draft. It gets you everything on the site as well. Uh, that's what comes with the betting sub. Every tool, all of Scott's MMA picks. Uh, we have Final Four. We got a little bit more on the college hoop side, NBA through the playoffs, and all those good things as well. So we will uh, continue to wait for new markets. Uh, we will continue to be here weekly. We will turn it up here in the next couple of weeks. We'll be coming on more frequently as we start to get mock uh, more mocks, more markets, and more information as draft day approaches. So good stuff as always for the guys here. For Connor and Scott, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Yeah!